You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. The customer may not always be right, but the customer is always the customer, and you should listen. Welcome to The Game Changers. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, along with Jason Jennings. So good to hear your voice today, Jason. Dale, it's great to be back with you. So today, our focus is going to be on listening to the customers, and uh, you are fresh off of a great road trip to Istanbul. Uh, tell yeah. us about what uh, what you did there, and then what you learned that's going to lead us into this conversation about listening to the customer. Well, I loved your uh, introduction. Uh, that old line: "The customer is not always right," uh, but there is there's a corollary to that, and the corollary is uh, the customer is not always right, but what is right for the customer is always right. And uh, let me tell you, Procter and Gamble uh, really practices that and embraces that. So here's the story. Uh, in the past couple of months, I've had several opportunities to be with uh, the leadership of Procter & Gamble, uh, first in uh, Paris uh, in, in July, and then uh, just a couple of weeks ago in Palo Alto, California with their innovation team that looks five years out. And that led to uh, the speech that I did last week uh, for another group of leadership uh, in Istanbul. And, and while, um, while in Paris, I, I, first got an, I, I first heard about something unique that Procter & Gamble does, and I thought, how cool is that? Uh, there I was in Paris, and uh, the Procter & Gamble executives uh, were there for a several-day meeting. And as I looked at the agenda, uh, I saw that all the group activities were between 8 o'clock in the morning and noon, and then they had a lunch. And then uh, the entire afternoon simply said, customer visits. And so I remember asking somebody, what, is the, what are these customer visits? And they said, well, during the afternoon, uh, we go out and visit customers in their homes. And I thought, well, how neat is that? And I said, well, if and when I'm ever with you again, I, I would love, love to observe that. I, I would love to be part of that. So I had the opportunity uh, last week. I was with the leadership team of Fabric Care from around the world, all of their leading fabric uh, care brands like Tide, for example, uh, which represents about $15 billion in annual revenues of Procter & Gamble is about $100 billion. And uh, so here's what happened. Uh, se seven years ago, uh, their uh, CEO, Ellen Lafley, said, you know what we need to do? We, we have thousands of off-site meetings, he said, every year. And, and you can imagine a, a company with this many people doing business in 150 countries around the world has literally thousands, if not tens of thousands, of off-site meetings. And the edict that he passed down was this. Uh, if you've got the budget and you're going to have an off-site meeting in Istanbul or in Denver or in Cincinnati or in Paris or uh, wherever it might happen to be, uh, I want half of the time of that meeting to be devoted to visiting with customers in their home. So here I found myself in Istanbul last week. Uh, we had an action-packed uh, morning. Uh, I got to do my 90 minutes of, of, of speaking with the, uh, with the senior leadership team. Uh, and then uh, at lunch, uh, you're paired off with one other person. So these are teams of two. So you can imagine if there's a couple of hundred people there. Uh, Procter & Gamble had about 100 teams of two people. And uh, you're met by a driver and you're met by an interpreter, and off you go to your first 
home visit, which I'll tell you about in just a couple of minutes. But I got to uh, interrupt you real quick. So this is not the executives getting together and figuring out which one of their minions need to go out and meet at the homes. This is literally the executives or people in leadership within Procter & Gamble making these visits. Uh, including the CEO of the company. And- that's impressive uh, including the ceo of the company well if you if you think it sounds impressive you can't even imagine what it's like to be part of these home visits so our our first home visit uh was on a lower middle class family uh the husband was not there uh he was a hairstylist and barber uh we were there to talk to the mother uh the couple has two teenage daughters and it was very interesting because being veiled uh, is a big problem right now or a, a challenge in, uh, in all of Turkey. Turkey prides itself on being a secular nation and people who are veiled or scarfed uh, are really the victims of, of, of a lot of discrimination. In fact, until this week, they could not even hold jobs in the government, uh, in the judiciary. They could not be teachers. Uh, Turkey is just fiercely secular uh, as, as, as opposed to a Muslim country. I mean, it is a Muslim country, but it's a secular Muslim country. And it turns out that this is the first time uh, this woman had ever had a man other than her husband in her house. And it was certainly the time she first time she'd ever had uh, an American male in her home. And I was there with one of the other, one of the high-ranking executives uh, of, of Procter & Gamble, uh, a woman who is a, a senior VP of marketing and our translator. And so what I was thinking is that we were going to begin this meeting and we would be talking about Tide and we would be talking about Ariel and we would be talking about the other brands. And that's not what happened during the 90 minutes at all. Uh, we, we, we sat down and uh, our translator began asking the questions. Uh, tell us about your family. Uh, tell us about your children. Uh, tell us about your husband. Uh, are, you, are you happy with, uh, with life? Are you happy with your children? Are you happy with your husband? Um, how would you describe your home life? What times of the day are special times for you? How much time do you get to yourself? Is, is that an important time? Uh, how much television do you watch? What do you hope for your family? And I'm sitting there thinking, these are the greatest questions in the world that everybody should know about their customers and nobody ever takes the time to ask. Nobody ever takes the time to ask. And uh, for the first 60 minutes, I mean, it was all, um, does the household have enough money? Uh, Do you ever not have enough money? Um, How important is value in your life? Uh, Where was your last vacation? Uh, How often does your family get to take a break? When you take a break, what are the things that you do? These were all questions about the aspirations of the family. And then finally, uh, after about an hour, uh, it drifted to laundry and and how you take care of clothes and what brands you use and why you use the brands. And at no point in time, at at, at no point in time, uh, did anybody say, well, well, have you ever considered using Tide or, or Tide is a great value or you should be using Ariel? It was truly fact finding. And this, uh, Muslim mother, a delightful woman, uh, actually made us tea and, and, and cakes. And uh, at the end of an hour and a half, I'm going, this is just unbelievable. And then you get to do a second one that afternoon. And then what happens is this. 
Now imagine, so there's about a hundred teams of Procter and Gamble executives all over Istanbul with wealthy people, poor people, middle class people, lower middle class people during their doing their two interviews that day. And then at about four thirty or five o'clock in the afternoon, you all head back to the hotel where you had the meetings in the morning. You go back to the same ballroom or conference room that we were in that morning, and they had fruit juices and snacks and hors d'oeuvres laid out. And for the next two hours, what they do is they do the debrief. But now, Dale, the debrief is like super cool as well. It, the deb- you have to get up and do the debrief and tell your story in the form of a story. And so you would get up and say, well, let us tell you the story of, the, of one of the families that we were with this afternoon. The mother, the father, the two children, uh, many of these families allowed us to snap some pictures. I mean, so there was an instant uh, PowerPoint presentation going on in front of the room, so you got to know them. And as I sat in the back of the room, I thought, this is unbelievable. I mean, just that day, there were a couple of hundred visits on customers. The whole group benefited from the distillation of everything that everyone learned. And as I talked to a number of Procter & Gamble executives, uh, they pointed out to me that the company really does not employ the use of focus groups. Uh, because they said, look, when you put five or six women, and women are the primary customer of the company, behind a glass window and ask questions from the other side. One, you'll never have a human connection. Uh, two, people are very reluctant to, to discuss their aspirations and, the, and, and, and their hopes. You can talk about soap powder, uh, but, but it's very difficult to have a conversation about these other things. And they said the other problem with, with focus groups is that generally one or two people take the lead, they become dominant, and they own the group. And so on, on the flight home from Istanbul to San Francisco, all I could think about were the hundreds of thousands of in-home visits that Procter & Gamble gets to do every year. And, and I couldn't help uh, but draw a comparison in my mind. And the comparison was this. Most, uh, most salespeople, uh, and I do believe this is true, most salespeople are so busy selling what they want to sell and telling what they want to tell that they never really find out about the customer. I mean, their intent on selling what they want to sell. And then I thought about the other problem that most businesses have, especially in the North American business model and probably worldwide, in, in that the higher you go up uh, the hierarchy, the further away from customers you get. And I was thinking of a of a friend of mine who I first met when we were in our 20s, and I was in the broadcasting and advertising business, and uh, he was in the car business, and uh, in his early 20s, Ford Motor Credit um, had financed him in his own first Ford dealership in Mission Bay, north of San Diego. And by the time he was 25 or 30, I guess he probably had five or six or seven dealerships and was on his way to becoming a, a very, very wealthy man. And I lost track of, of, of Pete uh, for probably 15 years. And one day, I found myself uh, visiting his office uh, in San Diego at the top of a high-rise. We hadn't been together for a number of years. And by this time, the guy had 50 dealerships and, uh, and was very, very wealthy. And I sat down, and I said, Pete, one of the things that you used to love the most was doing the deal, uh, was being on the showroom floor, was talking to customers, uh, 
And he looked at me, and he actually had a look of disdain in his eyes. And he said, you know, I don't have time to do that crap anymore, with the exception that he used a, a word different than crap. And, you know, as we go from being a new car salesman or a used car salesman in constant contact with customers to a manager who has slightly less, to a general manager who has slightly less, to an owner who has almost none. Just think of how far away we get from the customer. We no longer have time for the customer. So I believe that every business person can take a very significant lesson from Procter & Gamble. But I think the key to Procter & Gamble's in-home visits is this. It must be intentional, meaning there has to be a program for it. There has to be a system for it. It can't be something that happens once in a while when you, quote-unquote, have the time. Wouldn't it be neat if, uh, if every business said, we are going to devote X amount of time to really talking to the customer and learning their aspirations, their hopes, their dreams, how they live, imagine the incredible insights we would get into our customers, not only for the current quarter and the current year, but also for the long term as well. So I'm I'm putting myself in the per, in the shoes of the business owner. When you talk about the number of customers that a Procter and Gamble has, uh, let's deconstruct this process so we can start to be more intentional about the system. How how does the business go about? figuring out which customers to see first. And that sounds like a very basic question, but when you think about how do you set out in Istanbul and figure out who you're going to talk to? Yeah, imagine this huge uh, metropolitan area of, of 15 million, million people. Well, I, I think that any company or any organization uh, has to use the services uh, of, of an outside company to set up these interviews. Uh, I, I don't think you're going to have somebody in your business on the phone uh, calling people, trying to line up the businesses. I think that might be a little hard. I'm, not that it's impossible. I mean, it could be done. But this is not, not this, is, this is something that's very key. This is not the vendor that Procter & Gamble used in Istanbul calling and saying, we have people from Procter & Gamble who want to come and see you. Uh, instead, it's saying, we have some research people here who would like to come out and talk to you about fabric, about fabric care, and about your clothes. At no point in time were we identified as being with Procter & Gamble. So there was a level of anonymity going into this. Uh, I I mean, otherwise, I mean, if if the person knows you're from Procter & Gamble coming into their house, I know what I'd do. I'd immediately go out and buy uh, some liquid Tide and some Tide Pods and some Ariel and put them on my, uh, I I mean, I would want to impress. And then the whole thing is gamed. And we don't want to game this. And so we go back to this idea of being intentional throughout the process. Uh, Those questions that you went through early on where you talk about the aspirations of the customer, those are key in this process. So let's be intentional about identifying those questions quickly because we've just got about a minute left. Well, I I, I remember one of the the questions uh, that we asked this lower middle class mother uh, we said, tell us about your clothes and, and how you take care of your clothes. 
And she led us down the hall uh, to a bathroom where she had uh, an automatic uh, washing machine that wouldn't look dissimilar to one in one of our homes, in fact, very similar. And as she was there, she said, this is where I uh, do the household clothing and my clothing and my husband's clothing, but not my children's clothing. And we looked at her and said, well, where do you do your children's clothing? And she said, oh, I do my children's clothing by hand. Now, you have to remember, this is an 8-year-old daughter and a 14-year-old daughter. And she said, and we asked, well, why do you do your children's clothing by hand? And she said, the machine is okay. And she said, the brand of soap that I use is okay. But she said, I live for my two daughters. I live for them being in school. I live for their future. Their clothing has to be absolutely perfect and I prefer to do it with the soap powder by hand. Now, the big thing in fabric care today has been moving. There are three brands. I mean, there are powders, there are liquids, and the new thing called pods that you just plop into the machine. And there's a lot of people, I'm sure even within Procter & Gamble, who are thinking that detergents, I mean powders, are yesterday's news. Let's get rid of them. But now think about the insight that we landed on. And so when you get with customers... I think the entire conversation has to be aspirational. It's got to be, tell me about you. Uh, tell me what you're trying to achieve. What are, what are the bumps that you're encountering along the way to achieving what you're trying to achieve? And then I guess I would always want to bring the focus to it. You know, if I could help you get there or if we could help you get there, would you be interested? I mean, in terms of being intentional with customers. So if you're doing it anonymous, you would never ask that final question. I mean, could we help you? I mean, however, if you work for a software company, if you work for a financial institution, I mean, if you work for a healthcare provider, I mean, whoever it is, I mean, those are important questions, Dale. Tell, tell me about you and your family. Uh, what are you trying to achieve? What are the bumps and the challenges that you encounter along the way? And I mean, does something itch that we could help scratch? So when you're spending the time with Procter & Gamble, what is the outcome? What do you see as the result? You, you talked about the power of what happened in the conference room after those meetings, but what's the result you see once those executives get back and the decisions made around the tables at the corporate offices and in the products that get launched? Well, I, uh, obviously, I, I asked that question of a number of people, and uh, these tens of thousands of in-home visits they do over the course of a year uh, around the world has a major impact on the media that they use, uh, whether it's uh, web-based advertising, television advertising, radio advertising, print advertising. They gain remarkable insights into how their customers uh, use media. They gain remarkable insights uh, into where families and their customers see themselves not only today but tomorrow. And you've got to remember that a company as big as Procter & Gamble with these hundreds of products they have have to be constantly striving to be five years out uh, because it takes a long time to develop and, and come to market with things. Um, uh, the people at Procter & Gamble, uh, all the senior executives who I spoke with, said the most enjoyable part of their job are doing these home visits and being with customers. Compare that to most packaged goods companies around the world. Compare that to most other businesses around the world. In most other businesses, we don't even call them customers. We call them consumers. 
we call them market share, so as to depersonalize them. Uh, I, I, I believe that what I got to witness and what I got to take part of uh, is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen done by any company. Uh, it, it, it almost knocked me off my pegs. I, I can't begin to tell you how much time I have spent thinking about it. This is monumental. It is, and as we run out of time, I, the, one of the big lessons that I'm hearing out of this, if a company as big as Procter & Gamble can do this in Istanbul, a smaller company in the United States should be able to figure out a way to be more intentional about listening to its customers. Well, I know we're out of time, and I know you want to do the close, but if you've got a restaurant in Pocatello, Idaho, I mean, why is it impossible, I mean, that four times a year you take your 20 or 25 employees and just go out and each of you do, I mean, two or three home visits during the course of a day. Imagine the, not to go out and tell them about your pasta and your menu items, but to find out about them. Um, There is no excuse, there is absolutely no excuse for any company not to take this wonderful thing that Procter & Gamble does and, and, and be intentional about emulating it in their own business. It's inexcusable not to be close to the customer. Absolutely. That is a game-changing conversation we've just had, Jason Jennings. Thank you so much. We are out of time, but we would love to hear from you, the podcast listener. And so we have some tools in place uh, where you can actually send Jason a question for this podcast, questions at jason-jennings.com. And we'd also love to hear your thoughts about this podcast. If you go into iTunes and rate and then leave a comment and a review on this podcast, we would be most most grateful. The first ones are up on the iTunes uh, site for the Game Changers, and people are listening and getting something out of it. So, Jason, thank you so much for changing our perspective today. Until next week. I'll see you next week, Dale, and look forward to it. You've been listening to the Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com.